Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And some days after, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good to take him with him who had departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they parted a Sunday one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And by the way, that was where Barnabas came from. Barnabas' home was in Cyprus. But Paul, he chose Silas, and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. And so were the churches established in the faith when Paul and Silas had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia. The Spirit of God forbid them to preach the gospel in Asia. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia, and said to him, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. And loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course. The wind was in the right direction to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from there we went to Philippi. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, and our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We do want to say thank you for the communications that the Unchanging Word have received from you. It is a very great encouragement to this ministry to hear how God is working in your life. And we pray that God is making Jesus very precious to you in these days. Now in Acts chapter 15, verse 36, after some time had passed in Antioch, Paul desired to revisit the churches where they had preached the gospel in their first missionary journey. And the Spirit of God through Luke records a major disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. And Dr. Mitchell brings out the fact that personality conflicts do occur, and it affects the ministry personnel and direction. God in grace did provide a future ministry opportunity to John Mark, which shows us that God is the God of second opportunities. He authored the Gospel of Mark. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell in Acts chapter 15, verse 36, on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. Today, friends, we again come to you and we're studying the book of Acts together. We've just been in our last two lessons in Acts chapter 15 with the Council of Jerusalem. And you know, when one thinks of all that has gone through from the first chapter, one is very much tempted to go back over it all over it again. 
In fact, quite a few have asked me if I wouldn't go back and do the gospel through John. They were so blessed in the gospel of John. But we want to go on through the Bible. I want you to fall in love with Jesus, and I want you to know your Bible. You know, I've been thrilled with some of the mail that I've received where lives and families have been blessed and helped, and some have been transformed through the ministry of the, of the Word of God and this program. This encourages my heart. And if the Lord has blessed you, if you've come to know the Savior, or if you have been encouraged and blessed and transformed, uh, drop me a line, will you, once in a while? Uh, so I can pray with you and for you that the Lord Jesus might become very, very precious to your own heart and to your own life. Now we're in Acts chapter 15, and we've just finished the Council of Jerusalem uh, where the Apostle James had told, uh, had spoken of the fact that God today was visiting the Gentiles to take out of a people for his name, and after this, the Lord was going to return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, build up Israel again, and make them to be his testimonies to the nations of the earth. And God in his sovereignty will do this, because in all things, known unto God are all things, all his works, from the beginning of creation. Oh, again I rejoice, God is on the throne, working all things out after the counsel of his own will. I believe in a sovereign God, before whom the nations of the earth are reputed as nothing not even the dust in the balance, not even the drop in the bucket, as Isaiah 40 declares. That as he, do, as he speaks, that's just exactly what comes to pass. On the other hand, I must say, he's full of grace and truth. His mercy endureth forever. And he will always, and I say this dogmatically, God will always reach the heart and life of anybody who means business with him. He delights to take sinners and transform them into saints. Remember that, will you? As dear old Samuel Rutherford one time said, the Lord loves to take broken bows and mend them. You read the book of Acts, you read the book of Luke, the gospel through Luke, the same writer, and when Luke writes, he talks about these transformed sinners. <laughs> I tell you, it's a wonderful thing to have a Savior like this. It's a wonderful thing to have a Savior who can take you and transform you. Fill your heart with a peace that's beyond the understanding of men. Fill you with a joy even in the midst of sorrow and affliction. A Savior who never leaves. A God who has said, my presence will go with you. And I'll give you rest. I'm quoting, by the way, from the book of Exodus, chapter 33, where, Paul, where God answers Moses' heart's cry when Moses said, Show me now thy way that I may know thee. And the Lord says, My presence shall go with thee. I'll give you rest. That's enough, isn't it? That's enough, isn't it? Wonderful thing to have the Savior who never leaves us, who never, never forsakes us. Now James instructed Barnabas and Paul to go back to Antioch and tell the, the Gentile believers at Antioch they were not under the law of Moses, they were not to be circumcised, uh, and so on. 
But he did put a little word of exhortation that they uh, have nothing to do with things strangled or things that, had, that pertain to idolatry. And to live good moral lives, uh, not to be mixed up with the moral corruption of the day. And by the way, in Paul's day, in most of these cities, especially Corinth, immorality was covered up with religion. And I'm living in a day, and I've got to confess it with shame. I'm living in a country today, and the Lord has blessed us so much in this country. He has showered, he's made us possibly the greatest nation of the world, the most, in fact, it's the richest nation of the world. And yet we're despising him, we're turning our backs on him, we're becoming indifferent to him. And you know, it, it, it's not only bad to be indifferent, but it's tragic when we become satisfied in our indifference. So God grant that you and I who love the Savior, we will be in that place of walking before God where our lives will show forth his praise and his glory. Now today we start Paul's second missionary journey. And it takes from chapter 15 of Acts verse 36 and runs right down through Acts chapter 18 verse 22. I'll repeat it. This is Paul's second missionary journey. Acts 15, 36 through 18, 22. Now you notice from verse 36 to the end of the chapter, chapter 15, you have a little problem between Barnabas and the apostle Paul. You know, I'm so glad the Spirit of God has put these things in. That these were men just like you and I are. And we have our frailties. We have our weaknesses and we have our strengths. Let me read it. And some days afterwards, that is, after Paul and Barnabas had come back to Antioch and had carried the message from James and Peter to the people at Antioch, and Silas had gone with them, and uh, Silas stayed with them in, in Antioch. And I read in verse 35 that Paul and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And some days after, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good to take him with him, who had departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they parted a Sunday one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed on to Cyprus. And by the way, that was where Barnabas came from. Barnabas' home was in Cyprus. But Paul, he chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now, I'm not going to say very much about this. Quite a bit has been said about the reason why, why Paul wouldn't take, wouldn't take uh, Mark, John Mark, with him. I remember John Mark was the nephew of Barnabas. It's a sad thing when personalities come in and break up the fellowship of such men like Barnabas and Paul, wonderful men, both men of God. I can understand that Barnabas would like to take John Mark with him again, give him another chance. And Paul said, no, sir, no, sir, no, sir, I'm not going to have him. I remember, uh, if I might give you my own personal belief in this, I wouldn't be dogmatic on it, 
I think when John Mark left with him on the first missionary journey and came to Cyprus, I think John Mark, being a very godly Jew, now belonging to the Savior, it was hard for him, like many of the early Christian Jews, hard for them to accept Gentiles and to take the Gentile believers and put them on the same ground in the same position and the same inheritance as the Jew. You remember Paul took this up in the book of Ephesians chapter 3. And God put no difference between, there was no difference between Jew and Gentile. God is no respecter of persons. That when a Gentile accepts a Savior and a Jew accepts a Savior, there's no difference between them. They're both one in Christ, having the same standing, the same life, the same position, and the same inheritance. I think John Mark just couldn't take it. And Barnabas thought, well, let's try him again. And Saul said, no so. So you have the, the division between Paul and Barnabas. Well, one finds that right down through the history of the church. Uh, I could name names, for example, of men who've been wonderfully, wonderfully knit together in Christ and having fellowship together in the ministry of the Word of God. And something comes in between and separates them. And they're never again together. You never read of Barnabas and Paul being together again. It's sad. I say it's sad. Uh, you go back to the Wesleys, you have the same thing, where the Wesleys were, were split up because of, of one thing or another. It's an amazing right down to the present time, even in Paul's day. Now, starting chapter 16, we have the call to Macedonia. And I would like, first of all, in the first five verses, I'll not spend much time except that that uh, Paul and Silas went out on their second missionary journey, and they came down to Derby and Lystra, and they found Timothy. And here you have Timothy coming on the scene. And you remember, he, his mother was a Jewess, and his father was a Gentile. Nothing is said about the father. That's all. He was a Gentile. And you come to Paul's letter to Timothy. You remember, he mentions his mother and his grandmother, who instructed Timothy in the things of God. You remember in Second Timothy chapter 3, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. His mother and his grandmother just saturated Timothy with the word of God. As I say, I don't know a thing about his father. All I know, he was a Gentile. Now you may say, well, his mother had no right to marry the Gentile. According to Moses' law, that's true. That's true. But I'm not going to beg the question. I'm just going to go on and say nothing is said about the father. But I do know that his mother and his grandmother really knew the Lord. And they saturated this young man's mind with the word of God. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if you fathers and mothers, you mothers especially, take your children, dad's gone to work, and the older children have gone to school, but you've got some little ones down there. They haven't gone to school yet, and mommy has them all day long. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if you were to just read to them the Word of God and let them become well acquainted with the Scriptures? Well, you say they don't understand. I didn't ask you or say they would understand. What I'm saying, fill their minds with the text of the Word of God. You know, I didn't become a Christian, a real believer, until I was about 24 years of age. But I remember Scripture that I received in a little mission 
when I was a little wee boy, and my mother shipped, my mother wasn't a Christian at the time. I wasn't raised in a Christian family. But I know my mother sent us boys off the street to go down to a little mission two blocks away. And we went down there, and, and the fellow was quite wise. He said, if you boys will memorize these scriptures, you can come in with a band and drink tea and, and uh, ship biscuits with them. Ship biscuits enough to break your teeth. You remember, you had to dunk them in your tea. So we memorized scripture. We were boys all the way from five to ten. We would memorize scripture, what for? So we could get in with a band, a brass band, all Irishmen, and drink tea with them. You couldn't get in, however, unless you memorized your scripture. That man was wise. I don't know a thing about the Savior, but I know he, he taught me scripture. As a boy, I went to school. All children in school in those days had to memorize scripture. I memorized the 23rd Psalm, 53rd of Isaiah, 1 Corinthians 13. I've never forgotten it down through the years. I think sometimes, I think sometimes the Lord kept me from doing things in my unsaved state through scripture that was in my mind. Please, Mother, may I beg of you, plead with you, whether the child understands it or not, you talk to them about Jesus and put into their mind the word of God. And so Paul, right to Timothy, could say afterwards, I remember your grandmother, Lois, do you remember? And your mother, and how they poured the scripture into you, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Will you do that? Will you do that with your children? Now then, starting in at verse 5, uh, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Notice the word of God keep on going out. What we have in Acts is a sample of what was being done. The word of God was going out. People were established in the faith. And as they were established in the faith, they were witnessing and hence increased daily in knowing the Savior. Now, may I add this? Don't leave it to the pastor, to the preachers, and to the teachers to win people to Christ. You know, that could be your job and my job. I remember one time a dear lady saying to me, Mr. Mitchell, I can't talk to my friends about the Savior. Well, I said to her, do you want me to do it? I don't know them, but you know them. Oh, she said, I couldn't do it. Well, I said, we'll pray about this. And if you can't do it, and you want me to, I'll be glad to talk to your friends. Well, three or four months afterwards, she came to me just delighted. She had talked to 28 of her friends about the Savior. You see, she belonged to a club. And when she became a Christian, she dropped her club. So they, be, so they came over and asked what she, in fact, what she did, she sat down and wrote them all, she made a list of all their names and phoned them. One at a time, they'd like to have you come over to the house and have a cup of tea with me, a cup of coffee. And one by one, they came over, and she had coffee or tea, and she had uh, cookies, she had uh, candy, and then she'd sit down, and she'd, you know, Mr. Mitchell, I didn't even have to open my mouth. They, they opened the conversation. They said, where have you been? Have you been sick? Have you been out of town? Have you been too busy? We've missed you. And she said, before I knew it, 
I was telling them about Jesus, of how he'd come into my life and changed my life. And you know, I talked to all 28 and give my testimony. And every one but one, 27 of the 28 said, that's wonderful, that's wonderful. And the one who resisted the the testimony and became angry was the only church member of the 28. Sad, isn't it? Sad, isn't it? And then I read a verse like this, and the churches increased in number daily. Who did it? The believers. They went out and bought testimony of the Savior. Now, the next few verses are very important. Look at them. When Paul and Barnabas and Silas, pardon me, when Paul and Silas had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia, after they come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia. That is, they tried to go north. They wanted to go east. The millions of people in the east. No, the Spirit of God suffered them forbid them to preach the gospel in Asia, the millions in Asia. And they came down to Mysia. Then they tried to go north to Bithynia. And the Spirit suffered them not. I don't know how. I don't know whether it was because they were sick or what. All I know was they didn't go there. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia, and said to him, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. And loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course. The wind was in the right direction to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from there we went to Philippi. Now I want to, I want to spend a few moments what time I've got left today and pastoring our next lesson on knowing the will of God. You notice that Paul, they passed through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and I think it when Paul was there, Paul wasn't very well in body. You have little intimations, intimations of that in his epistle. And they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. They came to Mysia and tried to go north. And the Spirit suffered them not. They were hindered. In some way or another, they were hindered. So they came down to Troas, which was on the coast. And there he had that vision of a man of Macedonia saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And immediately they knew the will of God, away they went. Knowing the will of God, will you please notice that Paul was anxious to preach the gospel, first of all in Asia, wouldn't you think that God would let him go to Asia with its hundreds of millions of people? No. I want you to mark the wisdom of God. God knew the lethargy of the, of the folk in Asia. He knew the aggressiveness of the folk in the West. So instead of the gospel going east, it went west. The chances are, now I'm just saying this, the chances are if the gospel had gone east, it might have died a natural death. Pardon me, God in his sovereign knows what he wants to do. But I'm speaking now, looking at conditions. God knew the aggressiveness of the people of the West. And so the gospel went west, 
instead of east. And for the first time, the gospel comes into Europe. And as we go on down the chapter, we see how God uh, brought the gospel message to the people of Europe. And notice the first, the first convert to Christianity in Europe was a successful businesswoman, of which we will talk about that in our next lesson. Now you read it, won't you? And may the Lord wonderfully bless you. And may I add a word here? Will you please pray for our country these days, as well as the unsaved? May God grant to you the joy of being an intercessor, of really coming into the presence of God, and not only pleading with God for lost men and women, but pray for our country. It's in dire need of the prayers of God's people. And the Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.